Amen. Right on. Do we got any unordinary people in the house today? Yes, we do. Don't point fingers, guys. That's rude. I'm going to teach you better than that. But uh, hey, that's okay. You know, what's funny about uh, being a pastor is, uh, you know, I get to hear everybody's uh, like opinions and thoughts and feels. uh, And I love that. And then the bad part about being a pastor is I also get to hear people's opinions and thoughts and feels. (laughs) But I've noticed in the last year and a half, uh, just so many people kind of saying, like, Pastor, I, like, I don't know what's going on with me. I just feel so out of place and all that's going on in the world, and I just feel like I don't belong. And, I, and I'm like, yeah, you're not supposed to fit in. You're supposed to be unordinary. That's how God called us to do this whole thing. Can I get an amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior or customs of this world. As a Christ follower, you're not supposed to look like the world. You're not supposed to do things like the ways of the world. You're not supposed to fit in. And, and, and now I'm not saying we, we, you know, we resist culture and we hate people and we make bubbles. We're not going to be that church. But it, you're, you're not going to do it the way that the world does it. God has called us to be different and to stand out. Can I get an amen today? And it says this, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Not thinking the ways of the world. Not thinking the ways of your flesh. And it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's design for you as a Christ follower is for you to be unordinary. God's design is for us to be different than the ways of the world and the way that things work. And so we start leaning into the scripture of, okay, God, what does this look like? How do you want me to live? And so we're going to talk about this over the next several weeks about what does it look like for us to be unordinary, to be different in this world with all that we see. Peter uh, begins to write this. I'm going I'm to share this. He understands this concept. When Peter writes in 1 Peter, he's addressing the persecuted Christian. So what I'm about to read to you is coming from Peter, who's writing to the persecuted Christian, who's facing government pressure, social pressure, all of these pressures of things for following. And he's, he's writing to these people who are definitely feeling unordinary in their time persecuted, the pressure's on, they're being hated on, lied about, they're being canceled, if you will. Are you with me today? And he's writing to them, reminding them that this is taking place after Christ's passion, where, where he's gone to the cross and he's brought about victory and he's now in glory. Uh, but he's writing to them and he's reminding them that there is a way to walk and a way to live. And it's found in 1 Peter 2.11, the Passion Translation. It says this, My divinely loved friends, since you are resident aliens and foreigners in this world, I appeal to you to divorce yourself from these evil desires that wage war within you. What is he saying? He's saying you're not going to fit in. You're not going to belong. Why? Because this isn't actually your home. We're aliens here. We're, we're foreigners in this land. This isn't what God made for you. Are you with me? And so he's saying you're going to have to get used to as you're a Christ follower. You're going to have to divorce yourself from the things that make you comfortable in this world. Learn to be okay being unordinary. It's really hard. I mean, we live in this culture right now where the moment you kind of take a stance or you take a stand, you know, people want to push back and call you things. And as I mentioned, cancel you and try to silence you and push you away. Or you're in the lunchroom or the workplace or whatever, and you're living a certain way and not talking a certain way and not laughing at certain things and not being a certain kind. It makes you very unordinary. So I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's the way God created us to do it. Can I get an amen? So the more we can understand an ordinary is okay, that's how God's going to use us, the better we'll be. Today, I want to talk to you specifically, one of the ways God created us to be unordinary is you were created to be unordinary because you were made for relationship and community. 
It's unordinary in our culture for us to be a people who say, no, it's important for us to be in community. It's important for us to be in relationship. It's important for us to be in connection because we live in a world right now that's I everything. Self-care, such a big thing. Self, self, self. You, you, you. Self-care. Do you. Do what's best for you. Self, self, self. Everything is I. I comfort everything. Oh, I this. I have this setting. Our cars remember where our seats are supposed to go and our mirrors are all supposed to be and our beds all remember our stuff because it's all about you, isn't it? It's all about you. It's all about me. It's all about and this scripture saying, no, it's about us. God's called us to be unordinated, to be a people that make sure it's about us and we and each other. The uh, psychologists say the number one longing of the human heart, check this out. The number one longing of the human heart is to feel connected to a family or to belong to something. It's your desire. It's your craving. God wired you to be a person who belongs and connects and feels a part of something. You can see it all the way down at a young age. Even little girls, they, they get their dolls together and they say Barbies and dolls and they start putting together all these little things that they feel connected to. They play community, don't they? Or little kids, you, you got boys and they, they got their little group of trucks and their little superheroes and you start, you form this community. And then it grows, you know, sports are really truly just about community. When you talk to great athletes, they say, oh, that team was so great because we just had such a bond. What are they talking about? It was that that desire in their heart to be a part of something great. And then you you get married and then you have kids and then you have grandkids. And and all of these things keep connecting to that longing in your heart. Think about pets. Pets are really the dumbest thing we could do as human beings. Like, I have an idea. Let's get one of those wild animals. Use our money to put it in their belly, and then we're going to pick up what comes out of their belly. <laughs> and we're just going to feel so loved by this process. Pets. And they sleep in our beds, and they go on our, you know what I'm talking about? Why? It's because it's connecting with that longing in your heart. I thought about, you know, God never makes a mistake. Everything he does is by design. So literally, he's creating the human body. He's saying, I'm going to create these people, and, and I'm going to be in relationship with them, and I'm going to design their body. And he literally said, okay, here's what we need to do on their face. I'm going to create something on their face that literally will connect with that heartstring of, oh, I want to be able to connect and relate and be in community with you. So I'm going to give them the ability to smile And when you do that, it's going to make you feel good about each other, isn't it? And sometimes when you frown, it makes you do the opposite, right? You know, some of you, but think about that. You you guys remember all, like all last year when everybody was wearing masks, no smile. What, you guys didn't wear your mask? Come on, guys. (laughs) But it's covered up, it's covered up, and you're walking around in these cold atmospheres, You're standing in stores among all these other people, and you don't have that ability to smile and connect. God wired you to be able to, to human to human, say, hey, hey, I'm connecting with you through this ability to smile. Think about the other things that we do that are so crazy. Handshakes. Like as human beings, we've gotten into a position where at one point our hearts so desire to connect with each other. It's like, I have an idea. I'm going to reach this arm out and touch this other hand. It's going to make me feel good. <laughs> Isn't it bizarre? It's crazy. We're weird, right? Yesterday at Saturday morning prayer, which is, was an amazing Saturday morning prayer. If you're missing prayer, just such a sweetness in the room yesterday. Just such a beautiful just prayer and together. And you really don't want to miss that. But um, handshakes. I'm, I'm standing in the room, and I know that I'm going to be talking about this sermon. You know, and I've been thinking of it for a few weeks. And so I'm standing in a group of guys and, uh, and a few of us other guys. 
And so Andrew Peasley walks in and he walks up to us. And it was, I'm not joking. He does like one different kind of handshake for everybody. One guy gets a fist bump, shakes the other thing. And and I'm like just laughing. Like, isn't that crazy as people that not only do we have just one, we have all these varieties of ways that we make sure that that wiring, that connection on the inside of us is happening among each other. Uh, Again, thinking of this sermon, I was mowing the lawn, you know, and I have a push mower because I'm a man and I don't ride around on a... Thing. And so my hands are on the handlebar, you know, and I'm pushing the thing. And, uh, and my, one of my neighbors comes driving by. And again, because the heartstring desire is to connect and relate and connect with people, I'm pushing when he drives by. You know what we now do as dudes? Dude drives by and I'm pushing. I'm not going to take my hands off the mower. I got to keep a straight line here. It's critical. But I'm, I'm pushing. Dude drive by. I do. And it's, oh, yeah, now we're cool. We're cool. We connected. We just flip our heads at each other and we feel good about it. Now, some of you are like, oh, pastor, I am not like a relationship person. If my neighbor drove by, I would have looked the other way or ran away. Like, and, and I'm not talking about introvert, extrovert. I'm an extrovert. I love people. I do all that stuff. But I'm not talking. Everybody is wired for relationship and connection. No matter your, your social sort of preference, you are wired for connection. I thought about Jesus. Jesus shows up on the scene and he begins to model community. He begins to model oneness and togetherness. You know, when Jesus showed up on the scene, he wasn't like all the other people who were giving these big speeches and these lessons and setting in orders. Jesus didn't show up on the scene with his 12-disc DVDs that he's passing out to people to go watch. No, this is how Jesus is, is, is living out Christianity. He says, come follow me. Let's go do community together. Let's be in discussion. Let's go have a relationship. Let's be in connection with one another. Jesus modeled togetherness and oneness. How much more so should we be connecting? Can I get an amen? Yeah. We see all throughout Scripture where uh, in Genesis, we see in Genesis, God, God has created everything. He says the trees are good. The water is good. The seas, good. All these things are good. The first time in Scripture you see something is not good is when he looks down and sees, which I'm going to read to you right here, Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So he says, good, 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 good. And then er, er, record stop. Wait a second. That person's alone. That person's in isolation. That person is outside of the we and oneness. We need to do something about this. So from the very beginning, community is God's idea and God's design. Can I get an amen? So community is important for you. Relationship, engaging, connection is important. But again, we live in a culture that says, no, you make that group and this group and segregate this, and we all have our tribe and we all do everything. No, togetherness and oneness is our strive. The Bible, if you think about it, is actually a story of the people of God. You, of course, have God and you have Jesus and you have all of the work. But when you read through all of the scripture, it's the stories of the people of God. Why? Because God wants us to see that he works through communities of people. This body of Christ is not about you coming here and singing a couple songs and hearing a few sermons. No, it's about us coming together as the body and having fellowship and connection and relationship. Amen. You think about all the Bible greats. Moses. Oh, Moses was a great man because he freed himself. No, he freed God's people, a community. There was a oneness. There was a togetherness. Oh, Abraham, Father Abraham had many sons. I'm one of them. But what did he do? He, he, he's a father of many what? Nations, people. He's, he's a leader of people. Why? Because community matters. Esther, 
Esther said, I'm going to prepare myself. She goes on this fast. Why? So that she could save herself? No, so that she could save her people. David shows up on the scene. Goliath is defying his people. David shows up and says, I'm going to kill you so that I might be sick. No, so that God's people. Because community and oneness and togetherness matter. It's really important for us. We live in this culture. No, 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 self-care. You do you. Boundaries. Take care of yourself. No, no, we're all in this together. That's how God moves. Again, disciples. Jesus shows up on the scene and says, all right, I'm going to start putting groups, disciples together, community together, together, togetherness. All throughout scripture, you read when God is moving, it says when they begin to do something or together they did something or as one they went and did something. There's single achievements in there, but for the most time, the big stories of God are when God moves through people who are in oneness. Proverbs 28, 26 says this, those who trust in themselves are fools. You know, I, I like to call people names, and um, my mom told me not to do that, but it's in the Bible. You can call people names. So fools, those who trust in themselves, those who say, I got this. I don't need people. I don't need accountability. Are you with me? Yeah. I'm, I'm big and bad. I can do all this by myself. Oh, if you're trying to bring accountability into my life, I'm going to unfriend you because I'm a tough guy. No, you're a fool. That's what you are. Let me keep going. I'm going to bunny trail in a bad place. But those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Well, the scripture also says that in a multitude of counsel, wise counsel, there's wisdom in a multitude of wise counsel. So what the scripture is saying here, when you're in oneness, when you're in relationship, when you have accountability and you have togetherness, there's wisdom and there's safety in that. Amen. So many times in my life in ministry, this is what I see. I see people, they start having a struggle in their life. They start having this big issue. They have this thing that's really hindering them. I always point, well, tell me what started happening. What started, well, I got hurt. Oh, I got offended. Oh, I didn't get this. And that didn't go like this. And this happened to me. And so then what? Well, so then I got mad. And so I started to isolate. And so then I started to keep to myself. And so then I rejected accountability. And I rejected wise counsel. And I rejected oneness. And are you with me? And then the decline began to just happen and happen and happen in their life. Why? Because there's wisdom and there's safety in a multitude of counsels. So we need togetherness. It helps us stay safe. Uh, Josh Cannon, who led here, uh, leading worship, he's so great. He's so fun. I mean, Josh is just the best. He's always so fun. I feel like Josh is the kind of guy, everything's a good time. You could literally be drowning in the ocean, like just massive 20-foot waves crashing down on you, and Josh would be like, this is awesome. I've never drowned before. Let's do this. But Josh is so great, and uh, we're working on some things uh, for us with our church, with, with an addiction recovery group and some, some togetherness, but his heart is so for bringing people together. We've been having these chats about, hey, how are we there for one another? You know, there's no catchphrase. There's no quick speech that's going to get anybody to like have a breakthrough. What it's going to take is togetherness, oneness. And so just kind of letting you know of some things coming, but, but just great stuff coming because we're, we're going to be alongside each other. Um, this church word kind of got messed up. Uh, fellowship. You ever grow up in church and you heard about, oh, like at church, we're going to have fellowship. 
We're going to have a fellowship, you know. And now what fellowship means in church is a potluck. I'm going to the fellowship, and it's just a potluck. But really, there's strength in this word fellowship. It's coming together as the body of Christ, checking on one another, having fellowship. The definition is this, companionship, comradeship, mutual support, mutual respect, or mutual desire. It's how God's choosing for us to work, to be in this fellowship, this connection of like passion. The Bible is a story of stories inside the story of oneness being restored. God created in Genesis, and there was oneness. Then sin happened, and there was division. There then became otherness. There was separation. And then Jesus came back to restore our connection to God and our connection with one another. It's always about this story of oneness. Genesis chapter 5, verse 14 says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself, equally. That's a oneness. Make sure you love each other together, oneness. You have the same love for one another. Now, this is where our culture is getting it wrong. I've shared this a little bit, but this is where we're really going off. In verse 15, it says, If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Right now, there's so much division and segregation in America and really throughout the world, but specifically in America. What we're doing is there's that group, this group, that group. And so what we're doing is we're all trying to fight each other. And sorry to the pet people, but it's like dog fighting. Oh, I got a good bite in there. Oh, I got a good bite in there. And we keep biting at each other like the scripture says and devouring and devouring. What the scripture is saying, if you're going to live a way that you keep trying to just get each other, what's going to happen is both will be dead. You will devour one another. Oh, we, we may have won the thing, but we're all going to bleed out. Oh, but we got them real good over there. Oh, but we got them real good over there. Instead of working toward oneness, what happens is we're both killing each other. So scripture is saying what you got to do is love one another in oneness, in togetherness. Can I get an amen? amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 goes on to say this in these last days. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Uh, nobody at Vertical Church is in the habit of uh, meeting less and less, especially come summertime in West Michigan. We're going to keep that habit of gathering on Sunday morning. Can I get an amen? It's, all right, buddy. <laughs> get that kid some candy. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. But encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Everybody walks around. This is the end times. I know it. This is the end times. I know. I watched this thing. I know this is the end times. All right. Well, this scripture says if it's the end times, what ought to you be doing? Encouraging each other more and more than you ever have before. Because we're going to need oneness and inspiration and encouragement and togetherness. You're going to be unordinary because you're going to be a person who's considering the scripture says. That means at the beginning of the week, you start your week considering, how can I encourage one another? You start your week by saying, how can I make sure that I'm not falling into a bad habit of gathering less, but instead I'm going to gather more? We get so tough on, oh, it's the end times? I know it. Well, let's live out this scripture make sure we're encouraging and, and cheering on each other as we see the day approach. So that's why as a church, we're going to do this. We totally believe uh, in this togetherness, this oneness, this encouragement. So we launched in the summer. Uh, in the past, we've called them groups, uh, community groups. Uh, but last year, since we weren't allowed to socialize, 
we had social distancing. Uh, we're going to call this year's uh, routine the summer socials. So we got a whole bunch of plans. Yeah, give it up for summer socials. Yeah. <laughs> but the summer socials, you know, these are our way of working on togetherness and oneness. And let me actually get really spiritual with you. Uh, when people come into my office and they say, hey, pastor, I'm going through this thing. I got this, this thing going on. And then I listen to the thing. And then you know what I do? I just totally pass the book. Like, I'm not working on that. I'm just kidding. But I, but I do. Someone comes and says, oh, I'm going through this thing. I got this deal. I say, awesome. You know what you should do? You should go talk to that person who's been through that same thing. And they're going to help you. And they're going to connect. And they're going to be there for you. And their pain has now become their strength. And they're going to be able to help you through that. You know, I would love if you guys all got up here and gave a testimony about how God is working in your life, I would love to hear those testimonies. You guys get up here and go, oh, pastor preached this one sermon, and then the next month he had this one sermon series. That's not how it works. When people talk about how God's moved in their life, they talk about how relationally God put people in their lives that were there for them to help them, encourage them, oneness, togetherness. I was going through this thing, but then this person. Are you with me? So some are socials are not to entertain you. They're not for us to be like, oh, I hope you're going to have a great time and we're going to entertain you. And now we hope you have those things. But the other thing I want you to know is like, if we have a certain amount of people enrolled in these things, I don't get a bonus. You know, I wish it was like, oh, if we had 70 people in, you get this much more money. Uh, if you think that's a good idea, you should join our board and you know, make a vote for that. <laughs> I'd be fine with that. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but that, I just want you to hear, this isn't like some, some slick church strategy. This is us living out the scripture that it's important for us to be together. Can I get an Amen. So let me run through what these look like, and then I'll tell you how to be a part of them. Beach therapy is something we've done for many years, uh, and so simple, but so great. We, as a matter of fact, we actually have people who come to this church because a neighbor or a friend invited them to beach therapy, and they came and hung out and said, wow, those Christians aren't as weird as I thought they were, you know? And then they came to the church, and they're here. So this is super cool. Ladies, you just go to the state park, and you bring a chair, and you watch the sunset. People say, well, pastor, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, what about when Jesus was like, come with me while I? I wonder how many sunsets, are you with me? Jesus watched with some of his disciples, and they had dialogue, and they had conversation, and they had all this engagement. So beach therapy is so great. Uh, let me first tell you how to follow these along, actually, or how to be a part of these. Best way to do it is in the app. If you can download that Church Center app, all you have to do is open it, and on the bottom, you'll see Summer Socials. When you click on that, all of these will come up. Then you click on the individual ones that you're interested in, and you just hit Join. That doesn't mean you're going. It just means it's going to keep you updated. When we add new ones, we're always going to be adding to them. We're always going to be putting new things in. So if there's some that interests you, you just click Join in the app uh, and just follow along, get all the details. If you don't have an app or you're not doing a smartphone or trying to avoid those ways of technology, all of this is also on the website. So I encourage you to keep up on the website as well. Um, but you'll find that. You'll click join, and then you'll get all the notifications of when it's happening and how it's happening. So beach therapy is a great one. Another awesome one actually kicks off this week is our men's breakfast. Men's breakfast is coming back. And um, again, not super spiritual, but it's just the guys getting together, having conversation, being in oneness with one another. And uh, we just get together, eat some bacon, and God is there. Amen. <laughs> If you don't want to eat bacon, don't come. You're not allowed. I mean, it's like, it's just easy. It's men's breakfast, you know? I'm just kidding. Not really, not kidding. But here's what I would say. Look, it's early in the morning, and I know a whole bunch of people say, oh, it's kind of early to get going. And here's what I would say the testimony is of this for men. They say, oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I had to get up early, and that was kind of annoying. But once you get there, I've never heard one person say, oh, man, that wasn't worth it. 
Now you get out of bed and you go and everybody say, oh, that was worth it. You get to connect and relate and be in this oneness, this togetherness that God called us to. It keeps us from isolation. So men's breakfast is awesome. Another one is uh, the Pharisees are going to be hosting a bonfire. Uh, and it's so, if you know the Pharisees, I mean, really that, that night is, is, is probably like should have a disclaimer. It could be dangerous. You know, like it could be the, the, the forest fires could be crazy. Um, but they did those last year, and they were a great time, and your family can come out to it. I would say the same thing. Well, that doesn't sound super spiritual. I wonder how many fires Jesus sat around and taught and had dialogue with his disciples. Amen. And so the fires are a great one. Beach volleyballs, or I'm sorry, uh, the golf group is another one that you see here. That one's just kind of personal for me because I got back into golf, and uh, I'm just going to use all of you to teach me how to golf. I'm just going <laughs> to stop paying my coach and then just watch you guys, and I'll be in good shape. But the golf group, same thing, just a great get-together, talk about life and have conversation and, and be a part of that. So make sure you join that one because we're always going to be adding courses and dates and times uh, as the summer goes on. So the golf group's a good one. Um, it's the Church Center app. If you go in the App Store and you download and you search Church Center, um, you'll go in there. So yeah, perfect way to do that. And then um, beach volleyball, as you just heard me mention, you say, "Oh, I'm not a volleyball player." Listen, probably half of the people that go to beach volleyball don't even play volleyball. It's such a fun just hang out watching volleyball. Plus, the kids can go play down at the lake. It's at the state park. And so I truly encourage you to try that one. Even if you're not going to play volleyball, just go up there, hang out with some of our church people. That's the fellowship that I'm talking about. Amen? And so beach volleyball is a great one. Here's an awesome one. The cardio kick fit. Cardio kick fit. Uh, Amy Straub is going to be hosting this. She was actually just in a tournament in the Brighton area. Taekwondo, something where you're kicking people. And so if you have anybody in your life that you can think of that you would really like to kick in the face, <laughs> we're going to teach you how to do that. The scripture says that the violent taketh by force the kingdom. You know, so here's what we're going to do. We bought a 3D model, okay? It's a 3D printer. So you bring us a picture of who you want to kick in the face. We're going to have that printed. Yeah. And then Amy's going to teach you how to kick that right in the face until you feel ready to actually do it in real life. So that's going to be a big group, I think. It's going to be a big one. That's not what's going to happen. Unless you pay me extra, we'll make a special class. But uh, just a fun fitness, like going to be really different and encourage you to be a part of it. And uh, that's going to be a good one coming up. And then two different ones for moms. we got some moms playdates that are going to be coming up this summer. Uh, one will be at Helder Park, and then another one will be at the beach. So make sure you, you click join on those to keep up with those. But again, just getting the kids together, connecting, sharing with each other. Um, it's a big deal. So that's that. And then, of course, uh, we have three of our kind of reoccurring groups that we have all year long, but they'll continue to have events. Wise Timers uh, is our 45 and up. And community matters. Oneness matters. I mean, they're going to get together. And with that many people joining together, it's going to make it really easy to refill their pill containers. You know, I mean, they're going to be able to just do that quickly and efficiently. Those things are hard to open. And uh, my favorite part is this. This is terrible. This is terrible. My parents leave that. Gosh, you guys get so upset. My favorite part is whenever I make a wise timer joke, anyone under 45 is like, ha, ha, ha. The older people, God, I hate that kid. <laughs> I just hate that kid. <laughs> yeah, three. Oh, yeah, all the 3D prints. Those are sold out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My dad wants to kick me in the face. That's fine. Wouldn't be the first time. No, I'm just kidding. He's never kicked me in the face. I'm saying want to, want to, want to. Better clear that up, Facebook. We just got shut down. Why is the video banned? <laughs> 
Um, but Wise Timer Group is always such a great time and fun. And it, mom says it's the best. So if mom says it, then it's the best. Um, so print your fake IDs if you're not old enough. But <laughs> 45 and up. And then Vessel, uh, I'm going to totally, I'll just have you guys wave. You don't have to stand. But Ruben and Lucy Veen back here, we just put them in place as leaders over our young adults group. And uh, they got a lot of great, yeah, give it up for them. It's really great. So getting our young adults together and hanging out and connecting is going to be really awesome. Again, just another really critical group of, hey, you need oneness there. You know, that, that whole self-care, do your own thing, especially at a young age. Let's get together and have some wisdom as we make decisions at a young place in life. And uh, that's a really good one. And then <coughs> students, 6th through 12th graders, uh, our, our youth group's going to be hanging out. We got pool parties and bonfires and back to school events, things like that, that we got planned. And so we'll keep that. I know a lot of churches shut down completely student ministries in the summer, uh, but we're going to keep things going for our teenagers. So make sure you pay attention and stay connected to the app, to the website. Cause again, this, this matters, this oneness all together, we're spurring on and encouraging one another. And it's a big deal. So I'll, I'll close with this, um, this thought here, but I want you to check this out. Some scholars, I'm going to read you a prayer that Jesus prayed. Uh, but some scholars would actually believe, they've actually called this our Lord's intercessory prayer, this John 17. And some scholars believe uh, that this is the intercessory prayer model that Jesus is praying over us right now in heaven. This would be the prayer pattern that Jesus would be speaking over us even in this time. But I want you to catch the theme of this. So if we were to ask Jesus, just like he prayed here in John 17, if he was here now and we were to ask him, hey, would you, would you say a prayer for us? Would you just pray for us? This might be what he would say. John 17, as, as he prayed this in the past, John 17, 20, he says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. So all the things that he could have prayed for, oh, I pray that they hear every sermon. I pray that they never miss a church service. I pray that they know all of the worship songs. He starts out by saying, this is my prayer, God that they be one, that they be one. He goes on to say that all of them may be one. And then he says, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So think about this. Jesus is now saying together with God and together with each other is actually a good witness to the world. Our togetherness with God and togetherness with one another is actually evangelistic to the world. He keeps going. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one. Not so that you can be super Christian all on your own. No, I've given you this so that you may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that you may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That's the prayer Jesus would pray, which basically summed up as this, one with God, one with each other, and then that's an evangelistic way of living. Seems like Jesus was like redundant in this prayer, like he was repeating himself. You know, like when someone puts you on the spot and you got to pray and you repeat yourself, maybe that's what happened to Jesus. Or he's that serious about our oneness, our togetherness. So summer socials, those aren't entertainments. Those are us connecting, being together, being there for one another, keeping up with each other. Amen? And then we get to have a whole bunch of fun along the way and uh, want you to be a part of it. So, again, you can download the church app. You go in your app store, search Church Center. 
Once you've downloaded the app, you look up Vertical Church, and then in there you'll see all the summer socials, or you can keep up on the website. But looking forward to be a part of them with you, and uh, we got a couple happening uh, this week that I'll tell you about in a minute. But let me pray, and then we'll, we'll get into dismissal. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and your way. God, I pray that you give us the desire to connect and be there for one another. God, I pray that you show us the power of this oneness. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, buddy.